We want to say thank you for listening. So our sponsors have given some great deals in this episode. Check these out. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Access. Because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. And SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. Breeze Eastern. They dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Access PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Access PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircraft worldwide. I have personally used the Access system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at access.com. That's A-X-N-E-S.com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. And SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help with your helicopter training, a standardization and safety check, or maybe just an audit or an FAA refresher. They are here to bring your agency up to date with the most current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. The training staff is awesome. With a certified flight instructor pilots, experienced crew members, which I am happy to say that I am one of them, they offer training in rescue, medical, tactical, firefighting, ground operations, and night vision goggle use. SR3 has also partnered with Petzl to assist with personal protective equipment and the highly specific Lazard. SR3 also goes beyond the helicopter world as they provide high angle rescue training and tactical medicine training. Contact them today at sr3rescueconcepts.com or over on Instagram at sr3 underscore rescue. Up next, we've got a guy from Vancouver, Canada, representing North Shore Rescue. In his 20 years of doing search and rescue, he has got some incredible stories. We merely just scratch the surface. So I hope you enjoyed his next stories from our guest, Mr. John Blown. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. 
These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. I've got a guest from Canada, right down the road from Mr. Rob Monday, because uh, for those that listen to this, Rob Monday was on here not too long ago. What's up, Rob? Anyway, but this is Mr. John Ballone, and he works with Talon Helicopters as a rescue team member. Is that, oh no, you're the Air Ops Coordinator. Oh, that's for <laughs> that's for the North Slope Rescue. Wait a minute, yeah, North- you've got like 10 jobs with like, Okay. All right. Too many, too many jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hoist operator with Talon helicopters and uh, air operations coordinator with North Shore rescue. (laughs) That's where I was going with it. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. All all good. All good. (laughs) Well, you know what? Thank you, John. I appreciate you, man. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I'll tell you what, because you've already started, keep going with a little introduction. Tell everybody a little background about you, who you are and like how you got into some of this SAR stuff because this is a little bit of volunteer yeah for sure uh yeah first I want to say uh thanks Jason for doing this podcast uh discovered it a few months ago and I was like oh this is this is awesome it's been great listening to all the other stories of the people in the SAR world and um really just uh, I've actually learned quite a bit as well so uh, I just want to say thanks for for doing this it's been uh, it's been great so did uh, did we just become best friends (laughs) <laughs> i think i think so and with that <laughs> ladies and gentlemen we are uh, no i'm just kidding <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, thanks man i appreciate it's, that yeah, yeah you know my stories i'm just i'm happy to be the platform to to give everybody the the ear so it's awesome awesome well, I, like I, it. I, I appreciate it and also uh yeah i was just honored to be on here i know there's some pretty awesome guys that have come on here doing some pretty cool stuff so um yeah, it's, uh, I just appreciate the opportunity to be on here. So thanks. So, uh, so yeah, in ter- terms of myself, so I, yeah, I started doing SAR uh, about 20 years ago with uh, North Shore Rescue. So North Shore Rescue is a volunteer search and rescue team in, in Vancouver, British Columbia. And uh, w- last year we did 227 rescues and 41 of those were uh, class D. So either long line or, or short haul uh, and hoist. Uh, so we did did a lot of rescues last year and uh, 227 yeah just last year just last year yeah dang uh, last year was a was a record year for us um but uh yeah it was it was busy so as i I think i did last summer july august i think i did 50 rescues Um, we do not have enough time to go through 50 rescues brother <laughs> no, I, you know was, what? Uh, I'm intrigued. I would love to hear all 50, but uh, for everybody else out there, <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was it was intense. Thankfully, this year is a little bit slower. So uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on last year, but it was it was nuts. Are you kidding me? Everybody <clears throat> was so sick of being stuck inside because of COVID. Now you can go outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah exa- exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I've been on the rescue team for 20 years, um, and I'm one of our air operations coordinators. So uh, anytime we use an air asset or a helicopter, or we're doing a class D fixed line or hoist rescue, uh, I acted a command function to help run the run the call in that capacity. Uh, and then last, well, I guess two 
two years ago, uh, we started doing uh, hoist training with uh, Talon helicopters, and then I got trained up as a hoist operator uh, with Talon helicopters. So uh, I, I sort of take on two roles now. Uh, so one is the hoist operator working with Talon, and another is a volunteer SAR member with North Shore Rescue. Sweet. And now, then, uh, my yep. Go ahead. Or sorry, my my per I can't say. Yeah, I've got two two young sons, so I got a fifteen month old baby and a and a four year old at home. Ooh. So uh, yeah, life life is busy for me uh, right now. That's for sure. Uh yeah, yeah, I think so. I remember those days <laughs> at one point, right, girls? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my daughters are like, no, I don't remember any of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I do. No, <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah. No, no kidding. Uh, and so, then in terms of our, our training for North Shore Rescue, uh, we have training in uh, avalanche rescue, rope rescue, swift water, uh, and then obviously air ops as well. Uh, so, and then we have special teams uh, within, our, within our North Shore Rescue. Uh, so we'll have an avalanche team, rope rescue team, medical team, um, and uh, obviously there's a lot, of, a lot of crossover. And so depending on the rescue, we'll pull people in from, from those special teams. Wow. Now, how do you get on the list to be on a team? Uh, well, tra training and certification. So um, you can, you know, if you want to be on the, on the rope rescue team, then you got to go through all the rope rescue, rescue uh, courses. And then there's obviously um, the exams and you get different levels of certifications for what you're allowed to do with the rope rescue. Uh, and then same with, same with avalanche work and um there's different levels of uh avalanche response uh that you can different courses that you can take and then with the air op stuff uh i've been doing uh short haul for about 13 years um so that's mostly mostly what i do now is uh the the air, op, air operations coordinator so running the the calls uh and then also being on the long line and uh being a hoist operator i've yet to be uh a downside tech on an actual call, usually because I'm the hoist operator on, on calls for hoist calls. But you can do both. You can ride the hook, I, no problem. Yeah, yeah. qualified to yeah. do so. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So I'm, uh, I'm, my, my goal is in the next few months is to be a downside on the on a actual hoist call. So I yet, <laughs> yet to do it. You know yeah. what? I'm pulling for you as well. All right. I hope that happens as well. <laughs> Stick a GoPro on. I just want to see the footage, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, I, um, lo I love it. I mean, I, yeah, I love doing both. So when we're doing fixed line or uh, short haul, <clears throat> then I'm obviously on the line. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I love uh, run, running the hoist and also being on the line. So I want to be able to do both still. That's awesome. Um, out of curiosity, do you have like a regular normal person job? Or <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been running, uh, I, have, I have my own advertising agency that I've been running for over 20 years as well. So uh, thankfully, uh, my business partner is, is uh, very understanding. And so it's, yeah, it's never, never been an impediment to being able to go out and calls and that sort of thing. So that's one thing of being on the rescue team, having a flexible job is, is very important for sure. But the reality is most of our calls come in the afternoon, evenings, and on the weekends, um, most calls come in then. So it doesn't affect uh, my my regular work that much, though. Although I joke sometimes last summer, for example, I think I spent, well, I, I know I spent more time doing North Shore Rescue and, and uh, work working with Talon than I did my regular job. So uh, yeah, I, I won't uh, tell him if you won't. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Dang, all right. Man, that's awesome. Well, with all this time, you, you said 20 years of doing this. Do you remember your very first rescue? I, I do, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this, this was a, uh, a bit of a uh, crazy one. So we were actually up uh, that day doing some training up uh, in Squamish, which is just a town just north of, uh, north, north of Vancouver, um, doing a crevasse rescue training. And on our drive back down to, to Vancouver, we got a call from our neighboring SAR team, uh, Lions Bay uh, Search and Rescue. So we, we go we go and assist other search and rescue teams around the area all the time. And uh, other teams help us out and we help them out. Uh, so they gave us a call because they had a rescue on a, on a uh, mountain called Mount Harvey. So there were a uh, male, female hiker gone gone hiking and um they hadn't come home were reported missing and they needed some help uh searching so we we diverted and uh, after being out and training all day started uh climbing up mount harvey and uh how big is this mountain uh so the, yeah the mountains around vancouver uh are not particularly high um you know there can they can be anywhere from three thousand to seven thousand feet um but because we're so far north, it's all it's always cold. I mean, even you know, right now, uh, beginning of June, there's you know at least there's probably five or six feet of snow still in the mountains, um, and uh, yeah, it can it can snow up there any time of the year. So, it, and the terrain is uh, it can be is is steep as well. So there's okay. off of Mount Harvey, there's um, there's basically a thousand foot uh, vertical cliff off of one side of the mountain. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's, it is, even though the mountains aren't that high, uh, there are, it is serious, uh, serious terrain for sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, so you guys aren't messing around when you get called out for something like that and you're going up to hike out or, you know, find some hikers that are lost. It's like, Oh, Oh, they're not local. They're not lost on this little easy trail. No, no. These, these guys were lost, uh, in a, in some vertical terrain. Um, some, somehow, so yeah, we, we, we were, it was middle, yeah, this time I think it was ended up, I don't know, it was, you know, 10 and 11 at night, um, so dark, and uh, one of the search teams a little bit ahead of us had heard some calls above them, <clears throat> so the search team started to uh, kind of focus in on this area on uh, Mount Harvey, which is on the thousand foot uh, face of the, of the mountain. And so we started started climbing up, and uh, there were a couple of people uh, ahead of us uh, uh, climbing, and I was climbing up with my my Stan, uh, one of the other guys on the team, and we were hearing that's just this uh, like hissing sounds going by us, and we we're like, "What is that?" And then we hear this bang, huge bit, and we're like, "Oh sh!" We're like, "Those are rocks coming down around us." So. <clears throat> Uh, some of the, some of the teams ahead of us were knocking rocks down, and we we can't see them uh, coming down because it's eleven uh, o'clock at night, and you're trying to yeah, climb up a damn mountain. Yeah, so it's it's dark. Uh, obviously, we have our helmets on, but I mean, if one of those rocks hits you, you're doesn't matter what you're wearing. So we would we would hear the hissing sounds, and then we would get as close to the rock as possible, uh, just to listen to them whizzing by us. <laughs> so we got we got on the radio. Uh, real fast and and uh sit and ask for uh for the teams ab above us to be a little bit more careful as they're climbing up the uh the rock there 
I'm sure it was nice and polite as well. Hey guys, uh, do you mind just watching your step? You're knocking a couple of rocks down. That's exactly how it went, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were no, yeah, yeah, no. We were totally polite, no swear words. No, of course uh, not. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Gotta work together. Can't have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, oh we were, we kept kept climbing up, and uh, yeah, they, they were doing their best, but uh, we still had some rock fall around us, um, and uh, eventually, eventually made it up. I think around. You know, around one in the morning, we made it up to the subjects, um, and there was uh, the male subject had kind of made it into a, a steep gully filled with with loose rocks, which is one of the other reasons rocks were coming down. Uh, they're one of the subjects standing in a, in a very very steep gully above us, and then above him was, I don't know if it was his girlfriend, uh, but uh, the female was was probably. 40, 50 feet above him, actually on a vertical rock face, just wow. stuck on a ledge. Um, so we we climbed up and set up a, a rope system to to get the male across the gully into a little bit more of a uh, less less uh, vertical section of the of the hill. And then um, uh, one of our members uh, basically just free climbed above the the female uh, and with a rope. And was able to set up an anchor point uh, for her just just above her, and was able to lower her down into the gully. And then we used our rope system to to get her across into a little bit more of a, a more safe safe area. Um, and then, so once we had them into that area, we were we were contemplating about how to uh, get them off the mountain. It would have required a significant amount of rope rope rescue and lowering our subjects. Uh, so we were chatting with the with command and uh, basically decided that the the safest way to get them and us off the mountain was a short haul in the morning so uh basically just lay down in the in the dirt uh for a few hours and uh waited till the sun came up and we all got uh, short hauled off in the morning uh, back down into lions bay so that was one that was that was one of my uh, first first rescues that i did and after after i did that rescue i was like man that was awesome <laughs> i want to do that again uh, and he's got the bug oh yeah I, it's kind of blowing me away the fact you are trying to you're setting up entire rope systems at like midnight one o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the morning pitch black with headlamps yeah, yeah wow. absolutely and yeah. trusting it oh my gosh yeah. dude yeah absolutely yeah i mean yeah so I mean, yeah, being further north too, uh, I mean, in the winter, uh, you know, the sun comes up at, you know, nine, goes down at four. So right. we, do, we do a lot a lot of rescues at night for sure. So yeah, we're, we're used to operating in the dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. John, that's yeah. crazy. Welcome yeah, like, so, introduction to search and rescue. Yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome. It was fun. Uh, I was, I was like, yeah, this is why I signed up for this. This is great. So, oh uh, and gosh. yeah, and the, the short haul, uh, out of the, out of there too was, was awesome. I was like, oh, I definitely want to, want to do more, more of this. So it was about six or seven years later that I actually, um, got onto the, got onto the, uh, the short haul team. Oh, that's phenomenal. Um, with your short haul team, do you remember the helicopter they were using by chance? Yeah. Uh, so we use a stars. <clears throat> Oh, nice. Now, and yeah. like, I'm going to go a little deeper because we actually just had on 
uh, a guy from onboard systems that's talking about cargo hooks. But do you, yeah. do you guys do you guys have two cargo hooks currently, or was it a cargo hook and a belly band? Yeah. So um, when we first started doing uh, short haul, so North Shore Rescue, I think was one of the, I think the first team in BC to start doing short haul, uh, and um, the manufacturer of the equipment. Uh, was on the team. So he basically developed the system uh, through a need for what the need that North Shore Rescue had. Um, and that was a merge go and it used a, a belly band. Okay. Uh, and then a number of years ago, uh, uh, one of our members on our team um, saw there was an opportunity to move away from the belly band and do a, do a double hook system. So um, he started up uh, a boost so that that uses a double hook system. Uh, for a short haul. So that's what we use now is, um, is boost, but mo uh, there are still teams in the province who use emerge go or boost. Those are kind of, the, those are the two systems, um, that people use in BC. Love uh, it. Obviously. The, yeah. So the double hook system allows you to, uh, not have a spotter in the aircraft. Uh, and then obviously allows the pilot to release the, the line, um, right. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Punch one, punch two, release, release. Yeah. yeah. No, awesome. Love it. Love it. All right, my man. Well, let's get into uh, the next one. Cause you, like I said, I mean, 50. All right. I'll take your top. Let's say eight. All right. <laughs> you, had, you had 50 just last year. And we're like, that first one was, you said you've been doing this for 20 years. So, I mean, <laughs> let's yeah, go with the number yeah. two. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Th one of the cool things of North Shore, yeah, we, we have a shortage of calls and you can rack up a, a lot of experience uh, within a few years. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fun, fun team, um, but it can also be uh, challenging on your personal relationships for sure. Uh, all, all the partners on North Shore Rescue, I think, have a love-hate relationship with the team. <laughs> uh, unless they're in it. And then once they're in it, you're like, totally. oh, then you just go totally. together. It's couples therapy. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, I work I out with my wife. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So the, one of the, so one of the second ones, I think it was one of my first, uh, unfortunately we do body recoveries, uh, fairly regularly. Right. Um, and this was one of my, one of my first ones. So, uh, it was, uh, our team leader um, up, up until 2014, uh, Tim Jones is our team leader. Uh, I call, call him the mad genius of search and rescue. He was, uh, he was a, a character for sure. He was awesome and, and uh, taught me all about search and rescue. And he was a great, great mentor to have, but he was also, also a total maniac. He was, he was awesome. Um, so I did a call with him, one of my first body recoveries. And so there's a place called Norvan Falls uh, in North Vancouver, and it, there's a, it's a uh, basically a, a creek with a with a waterfall, and there's a big pool up up top. And uh, some people like to swim in that pool, and unfortunately, sometimes people get pulled over the falls, and it's a Oof. yeah non non survivable uh, fall. So um, we got uh, long. It was during the spring. We got long lined in, and uh, we found found um the body at the base of the falls and and t i think tim was wearing a uh, a dry suit um i had i just had my regular uh like hiking clothes on 
And uh, Tim was like, all right, let's get, let's get the guy out. Let's go in the water. Let's do this. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So we, it was the creek was raging because it was spring. So as soon as I walk in, it's like, you know, one, two degree water. I'm in, instantly frozen <laughs> and uh, just covered, covered in freezing water. And we managed to pull this, pull this guy out. And uh, I yeah, instantly got hypothermia. So I'm, I'm shaking pulling this guy, this guy out of the water. Uh, we end up uh, long lining him uh, back out. And uh, after that call, I could, couldn't stop shaking. I was just like, got so cold. And I, I think I spent two, three days in bed after recovering because I was just, just, it just frozen, became a popsicle. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that again. I might, uh, I'll take a dry seat with me again, if that happens. But um, yeah, you, you didn't say no to Tim. When Tim told you to do something, you did it. <laughs> no, no questions <laughs> asked. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's terrible for the victim and hilarious for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That was my, that was my introduction into, yeah, into body recoveries and yeah, yeah. with, uh, with Tim. So he was, uh, he, yeah, he was, he was, a, he was a fun, uh, a fun leader. He had a good sense of humor. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was no, when Tim told you to do something, yeah, you you, you did it. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. You'll survive. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tim was uh, he was an ALS paramedic, um, and uh, he was our team leader for for many years. And then yeah, unfortunately, um, died of a heart attack on uh, Mount Seymour actually when he was coming coming down from a North Shore rescue event. So oh, wow. unfortunately, oh that's too yeah, bad. He. Uh, yeah, he was with one of our team members and his daughter, and um, basically had a had a heart attack on the trail. So that was a that was a tough day for sure for everyone. Bummer, man. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I, you know what? As long as you got a chance to learn a lot or as much as you could from him, yeah. You know, that's you know, yeah. Yeah, he's still, I mean, it's been, uh, yeah, how many, eight, eight years, and yeah, Tim, Tim's still present in our minds, and we still think about the, the lessons that he taught us for sure, so, yeah. Love it. Awesome. He, he, li he lives on in, in North Shore Rescue, and actually, uh, there's a, mount, a mountain uh, in North Van that was named after him, so now there's Tim, Tim Jones Peak, so. No kidding. Oh, that's yeah. killer. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, in Vancouver and in North Van, yeah, the, I mean, the mountain community is huge. Uh, and so Tim was, um, he was like a celebrity in, in Vancouver and, and the North Shore. And there was actually, we actually had a, when he passed away, we had a parade for him with thousands of people attending, uh, military, uh, all first responders. Um, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. So he was, he was a very uh, well-respected, uh, respected guy in the, in the community. Love it. Oh, that's yeah. that's awesome. Well, yeah, that's a good way to be remembered. Get a mountain yeah, named after you. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, when you think about that, what do you have to do to get a mountain named after you? Like, that's pretty good. Well done, Tim. <laughs> I, I, uh, it is. Yeah, Tim. Tim did uh, thousands, thousands of rescues and and saved many people. He was very, very dedicated. Oh, so, awesome. Sorry, I, I got I got sidetracked there. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? I'll tell you what, we'll move on to the next one because so this yeah. next one, it, which was kind of cool, you've actually earned yourself an award with this. And I get to read the letter, uh, which I'm going to read here in a second, but 
I, I don't know anything about this award, so I'm really excited to hear more about it, but I'm like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. So um, let me get into this right now. And then, we'll, and then I'm looking forward to not only hearing more about this specific medal, but the story behind it as well. So here we go. Sounds good. Dear John, for over 60 years, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has served as Canada's head of state with grace, dignity, and remarkable selflessness. selflessness. Her lifetime of devotion continues to exemplify what it means to act not for oneself, but for the service of others. With these values in mind, the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal was created to celebrate Her Majesty's 60 years of devoted service as the Queen of Canada. In keeping with this theme of service, the Diamond Jubilee Medal is an opportunity to honor thousands of Canadians across our great country for their achievements and unique contributions to Canada. In this regard, with your own record of service in mind, I am very pleased to formally nominate you to receive the Diamond Jubilee Medal. I would be pleased to present this medal to you in person at a mutually convened time. Once again, please accept my congratulations on this well-deserved honor. Sincerely, the Prime Minister of Canada, Mr. Stephen Harper. What? Come on, John. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, man. What? First of all, what is the that the Jubilee Medal? Yeah, uh, so that's given out to people for basically service to Canada. So um, uh, there, myself and a number of other teammates who are on this rescue uh, were presented with a medal for for our service, um, which was yeah, which is awesome. So we had a had a little medal presentation ceremony and and uh, got awarded the medal for for the work that we did on the, on this rescue. So yeah, it was stoked. We were stoked. Did you know it was coming? Uh, well, we got the letter. I didn't, yeah, I actually didn't know the letter was coming. So we, we got it and I was like, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we, we never, as, as you know, you, you don't do this for the awards or you just kind of, we just, we just love what we do. So, uh, but yeah, it was nice to get a little bit of recognition as well. So yeah, yeah. it was great. All right. So yeah. <laughs> what's the story, man? Like, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we were, we we're out searching, um, there was a for a missing snowboarder uh, up on uh, Cypress Mountain, which is one of the local ski mountains, and uh, we we'd been searching for for a few days. Uh, and the, the reality is here uh, with the weather, uh, and if you're out in your just regular downhill ski or snowboard attire, um, most people after a night out are they're not they're not doing too well. Um, you know, two nights out. Uh, there's only been, you know, in my 20 years, you know, a few people who've survived two nights out. Uh, and I've, I've never, we've never had anyone survive three, three nights out. Um, it's just, you just get too cold, wet, hypothermic. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not a, not a, not a good thing. So we, we know when we're searching for people in the winter that uh, we got to find people within a certain time frame. Um, otherwise it's going to be a, a bad outcome for, for our subjects. So we were out, <clears throat> I think it was, yeah, our second, I think it was the, yeah, it was the, so second two days out. So this person had already, the snowboarder had already been out two nights. And so we were, we were thinking, okay, 
you know, this, this is it, this is our data to find this guy. If we don't, then, you know, the chance, chances of survival drop significantly. So uh, the weather had been bad. Um, the, the, the day before I'd been out um, and the snow conditions were so bad that as soon as you go off, off the runs or off a trail, even with snowshoes on, uh, we ran into a hollow snow situation. So something that should take there was a, a section of trail that we walked out on um, and our search assignment was we were gonna drop down off trail and, and search back to see if we could find any tracks. Um, took us, you know, maybe 20 minutes, half an hour to walk out, took us nine hours to get back. It was it just un, unbelievably terrible uh, uh, conditions. Just every step you're falling through the snow up to your, up to your waist having to crawl out um, every step. So it was, it was brutal. Uh, so that was, that was, I think, yeah. So we're, go we're going into, that was a previous search assignment. The next day I come out in the morning, um, start searching. And uh, the, the weather had been, hasn't been very good. So we haven't really been able to do much searching from the air. Um, for a brief moment during that day, uh, we got a little bit of rising uh, clouds. So the machine was able to get up to some areas that it hadn't been. And um, from the helicopter, they spotted some tracks um, quite, a, quite a ways away on, on almost on a, it was on a different mountain than we, than we were searching. Oh, um, no. So no one had ever made it that far. Uh, so this, uh, this guy uh, was in great shape and somehow managed to make it to another mountain. Uh, oh. And uh, so he was just traversing over trying to find the, the ski hill and he thought he was heading back to the parking lot to the ski hill but obviously he was not um and so uh tim again tim was in the helicopter and he's like he got on the radio he's like all right john where are you john john and i'm like oh i'm uh, this section of the mountain he's like okay coming to get you so came in picked me up in the in the machine we fly down rig rig for a long line and uh, fly in just to where the tracks are um, cause we also, we knew that it was at that point it was afternoon, um, of the sun, you know, sunsets at four. So we don't have much time to, to fly. So we're like, Hey, we got to get into these tracks and find this guy quickly. If he's got a chance of survival, he's been out for two nights. Uh, so we start, <clears throat> we get, we get inserted in the long line and start following these tracks down. Um, and it's going down and down and down. It's, it's myself, Tim and, and two other North Shore rescue members. And, um, and so this guy, he's, I guess he just started snowboarding down thinking he, he could get out, get out that way. Um, on the North shore, uh, the mountains kind of, as you get lower down because they are all glaciated. So glaciers came through and they basically, they took out, they kind of sheared off some of the bottom parts of the mountain. So that they actually, a lot of the mountains actually get steeper as oh, you wow. go down. And most of the gullies uh, end, in, end in waterfalls. So going, going down on the North shore doesn't, doesn't help you, uh, unfortunately, most of the time. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. So we're going down and then eventually the snow, uh, we get into an area with no snow. Um, and uh, by this time it's dark. And so we're running, getting into, into vertical terrain and uh, we're like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna keep going. So we, we started uh, rappelling down different sections, and you know, one of the one of the sketchiest things for when we're searching at night is, you know, we, it's it's dark. We throw a rope off into the darkness, and we're like, we don't know what's down there, but you wrap 
you wrap down and just you hope hopefully you're going to find another uh another wrap station below you or something somewhere you can stand to set up another station um <laughs> we we do have the ability to ascend a rope we've got you know with prussics and that sort of thing but it's yep. it's a pain <laughs> uh yeah so, yeah so uh yeah if you've ever done it it's hard it's hard work so um we started we started wrapping down this this terrain and eventually we get to a a waterfall and we're we're calling out the whole time and over the sound of the water so we hear this we, we were like oh i think we hear someone we're calling out we're like oh my we're like wow i think like i think that's i think that's where we hear someone calling out and so we're we're surprised that this person is still able to to call out um so we set up a, a rappel station uh, and rappel rappel down through the waterfall uh into the base of the waterfall um you know probably uh yes yeah, as a full full rope single rope length so um yeah whatever, through a waterfall. You know, wow. <laughs> yeah through about yeah about 100 100 feet um down uh get down to the base of it and uh, the snowboarder is there standing up and we're like we're like you're still alive he's like we're like we can't believe it he's like neither can i <laughs> so, oh my gosh we're like how you were like you survived three days out here two nights we're like that's that's unbelievable and we're like how did you get down here like we were we were repelling and he was like i i honestly have no idea he's like just managed to get down falling and somehow didn't didn't kill himself falling down uh and sliding sliding down the the and especially the waterfall we're like this this doesn't make any sense how you got to the bottom of this and you're still standing up like this is this is unbelievable what? so I, I mean i mean he he was injured for sure but you know the fact that he was able to stand up was was uh was unbelievable so uh we're standing at the at the base of this waterfall and we're like man this and he was you know he'd been out for two nights three days he was you know on base he he was standing up but barely and so we're, we're like yeah we're not gonna we're in a we're in a gully surrounded by cliffs and we're like yeah i don't think we're gonna be able to get this guy out of here uh he's hypothermic um you know he's 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 even though he's he seems he's okay he's talking um you know he's been bashed up pretty bad and we got to get him to a hospital pretty quickly so um tim made it at night um our our only option is uh 442 they do hoisting at night uh are basically they're, they're the military here in canada uh 442 squadron and their their mandate is generally just marine rescue and uh any aircraft crashes um but if we request assistance they'll they'll come help so uh we called in 442 and they're flying the cormorant helicopter so the machine is massive oh, it's, a, uh, 30, it's a big helicopter like really it's big the, yeah it's a beast um 30, pounds and so they Holy they come smoke. in and they're you know we're in a we're in a deep gully with 200 foot tall trees around the gully so these guys um you know they had to lower the machine below the tree canopy in the gully and um you know they had the guys watching watching the tail and the, the rotors making sure that they weren't going to come in contact with any of the trees and you know it was just just barely fit um enough uh, and they could get just low enough uh talking to the sartex after they're like yeah we were we were at the maximum 280 feet of our cable uh any you know we couldn't we couldn't go any lower so that was it like we were 
we were we almost couldn't do this rescue. Um, so yeah, they're they're hovering. Two hundred and eighty feet, like that's oh, maxed yeah. out. There's only two hundred ninety yeah. usable feet, uh, depending yeah. on the hoist you're using. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, and that that thing was uh, with that hovering above us, we were just getting flattened underneath it as uh, the uh, waterfall started going up instead of down. Um, but uh, so Sartek came down and was able to uh, hoist this up in the in the horse collar, up into up into the machine, and we were able to fly to the airport and get the get the snowboard into the hospital. So he he spent uh, I think I think a week in hospital, and then uh, I talked to him um, quite a bit after that actually, and um, we actually ended up going for a drink, <laughs> uh, had a couple of drinks together. <laughs> um, but uh, he said that yeah he it, he figures it probably took him. Uh, six to eight months before he was physically recovered from from that so um, wow. it just he had a it had a lot of uh, various injuries and um, and just the toll on his body he said it, it was it was punishing for him so but he he ended up being uh, being okay so yeah that was a that was an, another another fun rescue that, wow. that had a, a good a good outcome so we were not expecting expecting him to be standing there at the bottom of the the waterfall so it was a it was a good surprise <laughs> incredible man incredible yeah well done to you and your entire crew that's awesome i love the fact that you're repelling thanks. through a waterfall like a hundred feet down like <laughs> you can't make this stuff up you really can't like, like you know you see this stuff in hollywood like ah oh, it doesn't really happen oh yes it does yes it does <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if the subject's down there, you're like, you gotta, we gotta get there. Um, and these, yeah, are, you know, people get themselves, as, as you know, get themselves into all sorts of crazy positions and situations. You're like, how the, how the heck did you get into this? Like, man, it's, yeah, we had, a, we had a call a few years ago, same thing, it was a waterfall, a guy climbed down partway, and then there was a log across the waterfall halfway down and then managed to crawl out halfway across the log so when our when the team ground team arrived they were looking and they're like what the heck they're like you're halfway down a waterfall in the, on the, in the middle of a log like how how did you get there and how are we going to get you out so yeah people always get themselves in the craziest situations that's for sure <laughs> oh man that's that's awesome well yeah. man keep us going man i am loving sure. this what what else you got Sure. Uh, so yeah, I can talk uh, about my uh, my first rescue as a hoist operator. Uh, oh, I like that. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, with with Talon, I said we with Talon Helicopters started training as a hoist operator. Um, I guess yeah, it was a couple couple of years ago. Um, we uh, brought up a crew to train us uh, from San Diego, uh, and then we spent about a year training as as a hoist operator. Uh, and uh, finally, finally went operational about a year after after training and getting in, you know, hun hundreds of hundreds of hoists in. So we felt uh, pretty confident that we could we could uh, execute uh, on the rescues. So out of curiosity, uh, was that your own training that before you guys went operational that you decided to do that, or that was some sort of regulation that you guys needed to follow in order to do that? Uh, no, there, yeah, there were no regulations. It's not regulated. Um, basically, we we know the kind of terrain um, and uh, uh, situations that we do our our short haul out of. So 
we needed to be able to confidently hoist in and out of um, one of the, uh, we do a lot of tall trees. So being able yeah. to hoist in and out of tall trees at a, at a holes um, and obscured, obscured hoisting, you know, with, with trees covering, uh, being able to hoist people off of bluffs, cliff bluffs, that sort of thing. Uh, being, being able to hoist out off of uh, steep, snowy, icy terrain. Um, so we basically were, were going through all of those different possible um, scenarios and making sure that as hoist operators and as hoist downsides that we were comfortable in those situations that we, we knew we would be into um, when we started hoisting. Because with our, you know, our many, many years of uh, short haul, we, know, we knew what we were getting ourselves into. So that's, we trained to, to be able to do that confidently. And then we went to operational. That's awesome. I didn't mean to totally cut you off there. Just kind of curiosity, like going a whole year yeah. in, in a training before you go operational. That that's kind of a long time, and at the same time, it is. It's like perfect. Yeah. Like you yeah. you need that much good solid training to get that foundation. Yeah, and anyway, it, uh, I mean, we it's not like we were training nonstop. It was uh, you know as uh, everyone's got uh, other jobs, um, you, you know, we got to work it in with our other with our schedule. So. Uh, right. we would, it basically took us that long to kind of feel, get enough training in that we felt confident, uh, but it, it was a lot of training. So as I said, yeah, I think I, yeah, I did hundreds of hoists before, uh, we went, went operational. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. So there you are. Alarm goes off. Hoist <laughs> operator. Da, da, da. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so, um, the alarm goes off. Yeah. And, uh, so my wife at the time was uh was nine months pregnant so the due, the due date was coming coming up well pretty much we we're at the due date and i'm looking at my wife and i'm like this is a call over on vancouver island so a mutual aid call so we got to fly over um a, a quite a ways to get over there and uh the weather wasn't wasn't great and my wife's like man you you better come back like, <laughs> i might i'm gonna i'm gonna have this baby soon so she was giving me the look like like there's no, there's no going on this call and being stuck overnight. Uh, so I was like, no, 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 I'm hundred percent confident. We're going to fly over there. We're going to be able to come back. Uh, uh -huh. I was not a hundred percent confident, but. <laughs> so you lied to her. <laughs> and and now she knows. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I won't tell her. <laughs> yeah. per perfect. <laughs> so oh, I was man, like, no, no, we're, we'll be all right. So, uh, yeah, run out the door, and um, so we fly over to uh, Vancouver Island, and it's uh, yeah, uh, it's it's freezing, snowing, um, pretty heavy snow actually. Uh, we fly over there, and uh, we were requested to assist with a with a team that had been searching for a woman who'd been out overnight, and uh, they, they ended up uh, finding her, and just she was um, unable to to walk after being out all night. Thermic, uh, and just needed to be uh, evac'd out of there uh, as quickly as possible. So we flew over there with one of our uh, ER physicians. So uh, on our team, we have a advanced medical group. And um, if we think that we'll, we'll need some uh, more advanced medical, then we bring them with us, which is, which is amazing. So great for, great for us and great for the subjects, um, you know, for the people that we rescue to have that, that advanced medical there um, being able to help out. So uh, we flew over there and, um, obviously yeah, my, my first, uh, first 
uh, rescue as a hoist operator, I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, just like training, let's, let's do this. And, um, I was like, man, I was like, I hope this isn't a complicated insertion. Cause I'm already like, already a little bit nervous and, <laughs> and thinking, okay. Uh, and we're helping out another team as well. So I'm like, yeah, this has got to, got to go smoothly. Um, and so, yeah, we fly, we fly over there and, and get to the uh, subject location. And I'm like, and we're like, okay, they're on a, in a reasonably open area. Um, you know, just some, just some tall trees around and they're in a flat spot. So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is actually, this is a pretty easy, pretty easy hoist. Uh, so I was like, all right, okay, this doesn't look too complicated, thankfully. So, um, yeah, I was able to, able to insert, uh, our, our doctor and, and one of our rescue techs into the, into the location and, um, they packaged, packaged up the subject and we, we hoisted her, hoisted her back in and then flew back to the airport and transferred her to, uh, to BC ambulance. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a smooth rescue. It was actually a great one to do as, as our first rescue. So awesome. Yeah. As, yeah. Uh, as you know, yeah, sometimes it's not that, that straightforward. And so I was, I was happy. Yep. I was like, we got on scene. I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, this is, I could do this. This is all right. <laughs> <laughs> the adrenaline is like through the roof though. And you're like, yeah. Amped up. Oh, I get it. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we've, yeah, I mean, we've done some some much harder hoists into you know steep terrain, cliffs, uh, you know steep ice, uh, obscured, you know two hundred foot tall trees, bad weather. So thankful, thankfully now you know we've got some some mileage under our belt and we've done some. The, for the first few few hoists were a little bit easier, so we kind of thankfully we eased ourselves into it. And the other option for us too is we just go back to fixed line as well. If we're like, hey, you know what, maybe this one might be a good, good uh, fixed line call. And we actually had that conversation at the beginning of our hoist program. Uh, we still maintain our, our short haul program, and uh, if there was a call that we thought might be a little bit more complex, we just went back to our, our short haul uh, system, and uh, until we we felt confident enough to build up that experience for our hoisting. So. We were able to go back and forth, and we, and we still do, which is which is great. Love it, man. That's that is fantastic. I love having the options. Like you never know, so to have the options, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And the sh the short haul system can move five people at once, which is awesome. So, you know, it's got each system's got advantages and disadvantages for sure. Agreed. Um, yeah. Do you are you guys doing like a spy rig with your five people? Like Doing one stacked a spy rig, so you have one no. over the next. No, no, it's so, it's a plate, uh, and there's oh. five connection points. So, and it's actually it's totally fine having five people connected in there. Uh, you might think it'd be a bit bit squishy, but um, yeah, no no problem having five people attached to the plate. So that's, beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah that's yeah, great. Yeah, I've seen the ones where they they stack up, and I'm like, that looks more challenging. <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a pain in the neck, but it I mean it's not terrible. Yeah. You're just you're in one yeah. long line and there's hand right. signals and feet signals and all that to everybody. And <laughs> all of a sudden, all right, you're clear of everything. Let's keep rolling. So yeah. Nice. Cool. All right, my man. Cool. Well, you know, the other one that I think you and I had talked about a little bit is you've got uh, a cargo plane that crashed in North yeah. Vancouver. What is yeah. that? Yeah. So yeah, we, we don't do plane crashes very often. Um, you know, that's generally, uh, the, the military, uh, area that they, that they cover. Um, but if we get assist, you know, if we get a request from the military, then we'll go out and assist with, with plane crashes, uh, and we'll go out and assist uh, with searching as well. So, 
Um, and th in this case, though, that yeah, the plane crashed, you know, in our in our area, in a fairly popular actually uh, hiking area that we do searches in pretty regularly. And uh, it, again, it was snowing. Uh, and of course, it was snowing. Why so wouldn't it be snowing? It's yeah, Canada. Uh, it's always it's, snowing. It's always snowing. It, Two yeah, things about winter. Canada that we always know: snowing and everybody loves ice hockey. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, those aren't just stereotypes. That's just true. <laughs> oh, and you guys drink a lot of beer. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely. Yeah, you gotta it helps to stay that's, warm. <laughs> that's right. Some of my best friends are Canadian, so I can I can say that. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's uh, the stereotypes are true for sure. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, anyway. yeah, we we get uh, we get called from um, again. So from uh, four four two, uh, they're at a Comox on Vancouver Island military uh, search and rescue, and so they they get called for a plane that had gone down, kind of in a, in the North Shore area. So uh, we get teams out on the ground, and uh, the cormorant had been searching around and hadn't been been able to see anything from the air, which is not surprising. I mean, it was, you know, not a huge plane, a cargo plane, and uh, goes into 200 foot tall trees. You know, things just things just disappear. So um, there'd be no way you could spot it from the air. Um, and so uh, the they wanted some boots on the ground to see if we could we could see anything. So as soon as our team uh, first team got into the area, uh, they could they could smell the the jet fuel. So they're like, "Yep, it's it's around here somewhere." So we started searching um, that area, and pr yeah, pretty quickly we were able to spot the the wreckage on the ground. Um, and uh, it was it was a bit of a it was a bit of a bizarre kind of uh, scene. So we're in the on the side of a mountain. It's snowing, uh, and then uh, there's all this stuff still kind of floating around from the cargo plane, like all yeah. this random stuff. Uh, and then you'd be walking through the woods, and you'd find a you know, you'd find wedding invitations, you'd find someone, sh find a shoe, uh, you'd find these, because uh, there's all these random boxes and, and you'd find bits of like, like metal. And, um, uh, you know, one of the things I saw that I was like, well, the force of this crash, it was um, the, the prop of the, of the, uh, one of the props of the air aircraft had just been curled up like a ribbon. And, you know, this thing's like thick steel, just, just, turned into I was like wow the amount of force it would take to do that to a to a piece of metal is is unbelievable wow. <clears throat> um so we start searching around um and uh again still snow snowing so finding finding stuff is becoming increasingly diff difficult everything's start, starting to get covered in snow uh and um we'd found the the first pilot was with the with the fuselage with the wreckage so we found him fairly quickly we we're looking for the co-pilot um and the only way we could everything's covered starting to get covered so so we we're just walking around with our with our ski poles just poking everything and um i was i was poking something on the ground i was like oh this that doesn't feel like you know rock or wood or ground and and brush the snow off and yeah we that was the it was the second pilot so oh. found found him in the in the wreckage as well so yeah pretty obviously um yeah that was a, that was a sad one um so we obviously we were uh we were wondering like what happened um if you looked at the the profile the plane took off um was kind of going 
had to head up over over top of the mountains and just suddenly took a nosedive straight into the <clears throat> into the mountain and so we were curious about <clears throat> what uh, what happened with that that crash and uh, eventually they came out with a report uh, and within the report one of the pilots had a blood alcohol level that was you know triple or even could quadruple that of your driving limit so oh my um, gosh i was like i don't even know how he walked to the plane like let alone uh so they didn't determine that that was the cause of the crash i don't i don't think um because the way that the plane flew it just it's almost seemed like a mechan some kind of mechanical failure but um that obviously would not have would not have helped so um yeah one of the pilots was was quite uh, intoxicated unfortunately so um, oh man yeah that's not good no no yeah definitely not yeah when it came out um with the blood alcohol level i was like man i don't i don't think i'd be able to even walk <laughs> so i know i wouldn't <laughs> Jeez. yeah that was it yeah obviously a, a tra tragic tragic end to end of that that one um yeah. unfortunately yeah wow. bit of a, bit of a sad one on the other hand though we were uh you know for a while we weren't sure if we were going to be able to find the the second pilot uh just because of the snow and some sometimes we have to wait until the spring until the snow melts to to find find people uh and obviously sometimes you know we've got a, a number of what we call yeah cold cold cases uh, where we've, we've never found the person so that that happens sometimes unfortunately as well so i heard yeah you had a, a gentleman on uh a couple, an episode or two ago had a cadaver dog so he's talking a bit about oh that. yeah dylan allowing, and yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, that's an important, uh, important role, uh, because, you know, for us, you know, the, one of the worst things is, is finding, you know, someone, uh, a fatality, uh, finding someone yeah. deceased, but you know, the, the next worst thing is just never finding someone. So that's <clears throat> those kind of calls just haunt, haunt us forever. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you an know important what? thing. Call, being, uh, call Dylan and Jacoby. Yeah, they'll, yeah they'll come absolutely. Out. I, I don't know international <laughs> rules with cadaver dogs, but I'm sure I got a guy. I, yeah, I know a yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, we've in the years ago. Yeah, we did more cross border uh, assistance, so um, North Shore Rescue would head down over the border and help, and, and vice yeah. ver vice versa. But yeah, haven't haven't done anything uh, recently. But yeah, always uh, yeah. always uh, yeah willing to help out wherever wherever needed. And I know yeah, this, the the SAR teams down south are same same thing. So. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, you know, in your conversations here, like with the two down pilots, I, it's what what I don't think about too much right now is, and I really haven't had think about it for quite some time. Is is it's snowing and, and people get buried in the snow, and it happens yep. way more often than people think. You're like, oh yeah, no, it's no big deal. No, it it is a big deal because if they yeah. if they die early enough in the storm, you don't see them until spring or no whenever yeah yeah exactly that's, that's wild yeah, yeah. And call that's Jacob. whenever call, call we Jacoby and Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely no it's it's important work uh and uh yeah whenever we do a search and and it's snowing um it makes our job way harder obviously finding tracks in the snow is way harder so right uh you know, we're, we're usually not looking for the person. We're looking for some kind of, some kind of uh, sign or, or tracks. Uh, and then we can follow those tracks to where the, where the person or skier or snowboarder is. Um, but then if it's snowing, you know, that, that removes, 
uh, and snowing hard, it can, it can cover tracks pretty quickly. So uh, mm-hmm. it makes it much, much harder to find people. And then, yeah, if people are covered for whatever reason, um, are not moving for whatever reason, then they get covered up pretty, pretty quick, unfortunately. Mm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Well, yeah, you had so. another one. Uh, actually, this is one of your recent ones, one of your 50 that you had last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, and that was actually last January, you had a missing 21 year old um, that, that had kind of had a slip and fall. What, what was that yeah. all about? Yeah, this was, uh, yeah, a, a sad one, uh, unfortunately as well. But um, so we, we got called out for uh, yeah, missing 21 year old female gone hiking up to an area called St. Mark's. Uh, she'd phoned her boyfriend uh, in Ontario and said that uh, she felt a little bit nervous about where she was and she was getting a little bit lost. And, uh, and then I think the call dropped. So uh, her, her boyfriend phoned um, RCMP here in uh, BC and uh, said that, you know, I think there's something going on. I think my, my girlfriend's lost. Uh, so RCMP uh, tasked us out to start searching. Um, that was in the late afternoon, uh, evening, uh, right, I think it was right before sunset. <clears throat> so uh, teams went out uh, at that night uh, and searched the area doing callouts um, up and down the trail on the sides of the trail. Um, and usually uh, how we find people at night is uh, we can we can just hear them calling out. So um, you know, if you're, if you're, you walk along the, the outsides of the ridges and you're calling down each gully and if someone's in that gully, you can usually, you know, sound travels pretty far at night. It's pretty quiet. Um, you can yeah. hear people calling out. Um, so it's, uh, that's generally how we find people. So we covered, covered the, the trail in the mountain at night. We also had our, um, NVG machine out searching at night as well. Um, that's what is another- your NVG machine? Uh, so yeah, a few years ago, um, when we started hoisting, uh, Talon purchased the uh, AS three six five, which the, the Dolphin, which I'm sure you, you are very familiar with as well. Very familiar um, with the Dolphin, very yeah. much so. Uh, <laughs> and so that's that's the machine we use for hoisting, uh, and then it was also um, outfitted for doing uh, night flying as well. So um, that that now allows us to search at night and uh, move uh star members and equipment and i which is which is amazing uh because we, we did not have that ability before uh, so, it's so it's just uh like a flare on the front of the aircraft or a flare ball on the, uh, of the, yeah, the pilots are, are wearing uh, goggles uh oh, and then nice. uh, in, in the back we're, we're on mvgs as well so we can oh, cool. we can search yeah I, I got you. Um, so it's uh yeah for searching at night it's um yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, as, as I'm sure you know, if you you know any light source, you can see from miles away. So oh yeah, yeah. Um, as for anybody yeah, that's <laughs> not using night vision goggles, fly at night. Yeah. Make a pitch to go get them. They are yeah. uh, like the the value that you get out of night vision goggles. Yeah. And the only the only thing that I can compare it to is go drive your car without your lights on. And see how far you get. <laughs> then turn your lights on. It's amazing. Yeah. Only yeah. triple that because you have night vision goggles, which illuminate everything. It, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. When we when we did, first started doing the training, I put them on, and we were up in the mountains. I was like, 
um, I was like, this is unbelievable. Like, yeah, yeah it's a yeah, game changer for, for searching and for, uh, and it's this, like, another aside, we did, uh, our first, one of our first training flights in the, in our area on the North shore, uh, we took off, uh, with, with Talon, with our goggles on, and we we're just doing some familiarization flights at night, um, in the machine and, and testing out the, the tool. And, you know, about three minutes after we take off, we're flying in behind Mount Seymour and there's a big, uh, big waterfall there. And, uh, we see some lights in the middle of the waterfall. We're like, what the, what the heck? We're like, that is, you should not be there. <clears throat> we're like, that is not, a hike. that is not a hiking area. This is not a trail. <clears throat> so we, we flew over there and we see there's two guys, uh, in the middle of this waterfall, like mostly frozen waterfall. Um, and, uh, and there's, there's ice and rock and they're kind of standing on some rock and, uh, we're like, what is going on? So we, we lower uh, a radio, uh, using a rope down to them, uh, out of the helicopter, get on the radio with them. And we're like, you guys okay? And they're like, no, we're lost. <laughs> We're stuck on this waterfall. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> we're like, we're like, we're like, wow. Okay, I guess you know, three minutes after starting to use this tool, we find someone before they've even, even before they've been reported missing. We're like, yeah, this works. <laughs> yeah, NVGs are so, amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we initiate our, we get our team going, and uh, and uh, you know, about an hour later. Their family phones in and they're like, yeah, uh, our, you know, our, our, these two, two guys are missing. And we're like, yeah, we, we already found them. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's the, the first time we found people before they've been reported missing. So yeah, it's, a, uh, yeah, it's an awesome, awesome tool. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Sorry. I got, All right. I got I, we got diverted. Yeah. We got diverted. Let's yeah, go back diverted. to um, so the, the Yeah. Show. So our, our girl. Yeah. So we had our MBG machine out, um, didn't find anything. So we, uh, I think we wrapped up probably, you know, four or five in the morning, head, head back out again in the morning, 7am, we're back out there. Um, and we start flying, uh, I'm in the machine and start flying gullies. So uh, pe people often end up in gullies. So we just, we always just go back and forth below trails and, and fly the gullies. And we ended up uh, spotting, spotting her in one of the gullies and she wasn't, wasn't moving. So from the air, we're like, okay, uh, this is either she's seriously injured, not moving, or she's deceased. But either way, we we got to get in there. So uh, we were in the in the A star at the time. So went back to Cyprus, rigged for uh, rigged for a uh, short haul. Um, and with me on the line, there was um, Kayla, who's a, an emergency uh, room nurse, and then uh, Dale, who's um, uh, with the Vancouver Police Department. Uh, so we've got that's one thing on the team we've got volunteers from all sorts of different areas and some super skilled people on the team which is awesome and and volunteer their time with Shore rescue which is which is amazing that's awesome. um so we went we went in on the line um and yeah we, we got on the ground and, and kayla did an assessment and she was like yeah she's she's deceased and has, has been for a while um uh, but Regardless, we we packaged her up um, and and short hauled her out and and uh, got her some got her to a doctor to do an an assessment back at our SAR station and yeah he he confirmed confirmed the assessment so unfortunately uh, she mm. she slipped uh, higher up on the trail and unfortunately at that time the snow just happened to be super hard uh, we get these freeze thaw cycles so basically that it'll warm up 
yep. the snow will melt and then it freezes and just turns into ice. Um, and she had come off the trail and got into an area that was a little bit steeper. She was wearing micro spikes. She was wearing, she had poles uh, doing all the right things, which just got into an area that was just too steep uh, for her micro spikes. It was kind of, it was an area that you need crampons and like ice axe uh, in those conditions, just, just cause oh, the ice man. was so, so hard and slipped and uh, um, ended up, yes, falling. Yeah. Probably a thousand, a thousand feet uh, through oh, the trees and gosh down into the gully um and so by the time she reached the gully yeah, she she was deceased because she'd hit some hit some trees on the way down uh, which is yet uh, and unfortunately uh on, on the in our terrain we run into that a fair amount people slip uh in the snow and they they'll they'll fall and, and hit a tree or two or are many on the way down if they're unable to to stop their fall so it's unfortunately not a, not an uncommon thing to happen uh, with us, but um, <clears throat> so yeah, we uh, yeah the handed her off to the to the coroner. Obviously, a super, yeah super sad end of end of the search um, was a well, that was a, that was a tough one for our team for sure. Mm -hmm. um, we we weren't weren't expecting that. You know, we we thought that we would we would find her somewhere uh, um, still still alive, but. Um, that's yeah. That's how some of the searches go, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, that one uh, that one was was bothering me a bit for sure. Like, like obviously, you know, some of our searches do. Um, and uh, me and two other guys on the team went out a day or two later, and we're like, "Hey, we need to we need to piece together uh, what happened to this to this girl." So, we we went down and ended up rappelling down to. Uh, the location where we found her body and then we were able to see where she slid down through the trees and started climbing back up um, we had crampons and ice axes and yeah. uh, we, we were able to <clears throat> basically uh, find her backpack find a bunch of her bunch of other belongings and that sort of thing and and for for me I just I wanted to find out what had happened to her and then as well for her for her family as well so they yeah. knew what 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 exactly had happened and, and the reasons for for how, how she uh you know how she became deceased and so we were able to piece it all together uh we we tracked our tracks on on our gps and marked out where we found everything um and uh put together uh uh basically a, a report on on everything that happened where she came off the trail and and uh and I was after that, I, I was able to speak with the family as well in Ontario and just and just walk them through everything that happened. But yeah, it's wow. it's tough. It's tough when you for us, you know, we do recoveries and, um, you know, if you just ha hand the, the people off the bodies off to the corner and and walk away, try not to try not to think about it too much. But um, sometimes we do interface with with the families. And um, yeah, it makes it makes it a lot tougher when we're we're chatting with them and talking to them about what happened and, and stuff so again and you know at least we we were able to find her um but yeah definitely was not the outcome that we were looking for and that was a bit of a bit of a tough one for sure for for myself and, and for the team but um yeah we we try we do our best and um and for me if i was a family i would would want to know exactly what what happened and so we were able to at least provide that that information to the family for on that call yeah how are you doing now? Um, I am 
I'm okay. I think like, yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, last, last year we did a lot of body recoveries. Um, it was a tough year and, um, you know, th these are, some of them were people who've fallen off of, or unfortunately we do sometimes people jump off of cliffs and, you know, they're falling, you know, a few hundred feet onto rocks. And these are, these are pretty grisly recoveries. Um, and so, you know, I did quite a few last summer and, uh, it was, yeah, def definitely started to affect me a bit. So, uh, I chatted with a few people on the team and, um, chatted with my wife about it as well. I gotta be careful. I don't want to cause her, uh, too much right. stress talking about, talking about some of these things. Um, Call me anytime. I truly mean yeah. it. Thank, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You, you had um, a gentleman from Ireland who's on the team who's talking about critical incident stress and yeah. everything he does. So uh, that, that one really, actually, I really enjoyed that one and really appreciated what he was doing because myself and, uh, you know, I know other people on the team and other people who do this, this sort of thing, you know, it does, you do it for a while, long enough, it, it can't affect you for sure. So um, yeah. we got a, We got a great we got a great support network on the team. And um, so yeah, I, I chatted with a few people and, um, but it was, it's something that I thought about, you know, over the winter for sure, all the, all the recoveries we did. And, um, but, but I, yeah, I was able to talk through it and yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing okay now. So yeah, I'll, I'll okay. get it, but yeah, but I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. You know, I actually, I'll be honest with you and everybody else that's listening is that I got a message not too long ago. Um, Frank Breeze, who was on here yep. just a little bit ago. Um, he got a message from his, crew chief in the helicopter uh for the guys that that he had saved on there and it was the message was really nice and i don't want to i don't want to expand too much other than it really gave him a peace of mind knowing that you know they knew the only way they were going to get back to base is if the crew chief held that door closed and the crew chief right. at the time didn't want to be there holding the door he wanted to be helping the soldiers and yeah. For him, it was that that peace of mind, like, wow, I didn't know that. And for everybody else that doesn't realize, just talking a little bit about it helps, m might not help you specifically, but it might help that other guy or that other girl. Yeah. So I'm all about yeah. it. So yeah, that's absolutely. another, we could go down a full rabbit hole with this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, absolutely. But, but, you know, even just, you know, this podcast has helped me just listen to other stories and all, you know, so many people, uh, going through the same thing I think um, you know sometimes we operate in a little bit of a bubble so it's it's pretty cool hearing all these all these other stories and all this yeah. things that that people go through and um, yeah everyone goes through goes through these if you're in this sort of if you're in the SAR world you go through these kinds of things and it can be it can be emotional but it, yeah it, hel it helps listening to to other people as well so that's another yeah. another reason why yeah I've loved this podcast as well so it's been it's been awesome if it makes you feel any better, that's the same reason I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing these stories. Awesome. I, I, I really can't get enough of it. My wife is like, can you please stop talking about the podcast? I'm like, no, wait until you hear this. <laughs> so that's been fun. Yeah, my friend uh, last summer after just rescue after rescue, she was like, don't don't you get sick of this and i'm like no i'm like i want more i was like i love i love doing rescues <laughs> it's, oh, it's awesome they're so fun it, you know again not everything turns out the way we want it to but no you know it's it's like it's yeah we're 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 not cut from the same cloth as everybody else it's just 
Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couple screws loose. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of, you kind of have to. Yeah, you got to yeah. be a little bit. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right, John. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Let, let's end uh, on a little bit of a positive note because I, I know yeah. you have one more um, that, that we can talk about, and then I'm gonna ask you one more question. But go ahead. Yeah. So uh, this uh, is a call last year for um, for a snowboarder uh, who got caught in an avalanche. So he was like literally caught in the avalanche. He was caught in an avalanche. Yeah. So he he was um, dude. He went down. He went down the back. He went. He went out of bounds, uh, out of, off the backside of Cypress Mountain, out of the ski resort. Uh, pretty common area for people to go. You can, you can go go down the backside, and there's a there is a a, a, a route uh, or sort of trail back into the if you know where to stop back into the resort. Um, you do got to you gotta do have to hike back in. Um, lots of people go down there and miss the miss the route back in, and that's a, a big source of our rescues. Uh, in this case, yeah, the, it was a bad, bad avalanche uh, conditions that day. And so he, uh, he actually had his cell phone. So um, he was able to call in. And so we were able to talk to him. Um, and it sounded like he was okay on the phone. Uh, and so it just sounded like he was, he's like, oh, I got caught in an avalanche. I'm lost. And so we're, we're like, okay. Uh, it, it, we when we finally just he had he did have some head injuries so we didn't know this at the time so we we're, were thinking this guy wasn't that injured um so we uh we got uh, ground teams moving in and then we get up in the machine and uh the initial coordinate coordinates off the 911 ping uh unfortunately weren't quite correct so we were searching in an area where he was not um and uh it's starting to get um, later and later in the day. Uh, get, we're getting close to grounding time. Man, we gotta we gotta find this guy so we can we can short haul him out. Um, and because uh, we can't do uh, we can't do short haul at night, um, we're working on being able to hoist at night uh, right now. So that's something that we're working towards. But nice. you know, we're right now we we can't. So I, I know there's a. a uh, we're gonna we're gonna run out of time if we need to short haul this guy out of here. So. Um, and we're, but we couldn't find him. So uh, we're, we're like, oh, I can't find him. Um, eventually we, we uh, get some uh, updated coordinates and we're able to find, find him in a couar uh, on the, you know, just around the other side of the mountain. And he's sitting in a avalanche path on avalanche debris, just kind of sitting there with his hands on his knees, looking at us and we're like, like, okay, he seems like, seems like he's okay um but he's in the middle of an avalanche path uh but that was it we're we're at grounding time so we're like okay we gotta go we gotta go land so went 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 and landed um and uh at that point uh we had some ground teams moving into his his location um we had uh, one of our professional avalanche forecasters so he's a he was a, a ski guide um, and so he was leading a team into that area just because of the, the high avalanche danger. Um, and him and the, uh, one other guy on our team, um, it's Tristan and, and Jim, uh, they went in, basically they were like, went into the avalanche path and just had to drag him, drag him out of it. Cause they were worried that they were going to get caught in an avalanche. Um, so they weren't being, they weren't able to do any first aid or do any assessments. They were like, we just got to get this guy out of here. So, 
when went and dragged him out of the path um and they were able to get him into an area that was a bit safer and uh we had our our team doctor um alec come in and, and do an assessment and so at this point uh he was uh he was semi-conscious and the other funny thing so i was i was in the we landed in the helicopter but i had been i've been phoning the subject and i'd talked to him and uh he kept pocket phoning me. So it was the weirdest thing. I kept getting phone calls from the subject <laughs> from him. And I could hear Tristan and Jimmy, uh, like in the background, like yell at talking to each other. And I could hear him. And I was like, he was, he, I was like, this guy does not sound good. Um, so I was getting, getting random pocket calls from, from him. And, um, <laughs> Alec, our doctor got on scene and he was like, oh man, like this guy's in rough shape rough rough shape we gotta we gotta get out of gotta get him out now um so we looked at bringing in 442 uh but they were they were about a two-hour delay and alex like uh it was it wasn't we, we figured we could get him out to the ski hill in less than two hours in the in the stretcher so uh the ground team uh was able to to pull him in the sled and the stretcher back into the using rope, rope rescue systems again ropes pull him back into the into the ski hill uh at night and um yeah, by the time they got him back there, his his you know body temp was was low. He was quite hypothermic. Um, yeah, I think you know he's 80, 86 degrees Fahrenheit or thirty you know thirty oh Celsius, gosh. like getting and and dropping. Um, so they got him to the uh, to the ER, um, and yeah, they did some scans and basically, yeah, he he had um, yeah pretty bad head injury um he had uh both his legs were were broken broken ribs he had, he was multi multi trauma and so they did the scan and they were like holy cow they were like what so uh the fact that uh they he was uh they were able to to save him um and uh after i think he was in he was in hospital for quite a while he's able to go but he was he's he's relatively uh from what i know he's he's messaged messaged us since then and let us know that he's he's out and, and doing doing fairly well but um we're like what the heck? we're like you must have been in not just one but multiple avalanches because i don't know how this how this happens like it was <laughs> he was it was bad uh, but that was that was a good one, and that we were able to get him out, and and he's he was okay. So um, yeah, that one that one worked out all right. Man, I like that. Good. Yeah, we we'll call that a shave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dang yeah, exactly. man. John, these stories are yeah. are freaking amazing. Uh, thank you. I'll tell you what. I before I let you go, I am going to throw out like a very general question, but. The floor is open to you. If you had anything to pass on to anybody else with your 20 years of doing this, 200, well, five, 50 cases just last year, <laughs> man, what advice would you give everybody? Uh, well, I, yeah, for, I mean, I want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, in BC, there's 3,000 uh, SAR volunteers and we do about 2,000 wow. calls, 2,000 calls a year. So, so you know, what you're saying is I have content for this podcast for like the next couple of years. <laughs> just I, absolutely. For you guys. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I think BC, our province does more SAR cases just in BC than the rest of Canada combined. So um, just because of the, 
the pro the topography we're just all, all mountains up here and everyone's comes here to do all outdoor recreation so it's uh yeah and it's it's all mostly done by by SAR volunteers across BC and across Canada as well so I just want to give a, a shout out to all the other SAR volunteers and Man, and awesome. and in, and in the U.S. as well so su support your local SAR team you might you never know when you might need them so um yeah. love it <laughs> and I, another thing I also have to say I want um thank you to my to my wife for allowing me to do this so you know when i when i rush off to do rescue she's at home uh holding down the floor with the kids and uh you know without her and and without you know whether if you do this job in any capacity uh having a supporting partner is is essential um there was a call this last winter where again bad avalanche conditions there was a an avalanche fatality that day um and we were getting called out at night to go fly in the in the dolphin um, to assist with a, a rescue of a snowmobiler who had broken his leg uh, in avalanche terrain. We weren't sure if he'd been in avalanche or or what. Um, and so uh, I'm I'm getting ready to leave, and my wife's you know she brings over our baby, and she's like, "Look at your baby and tell him you're coming home." And I'm like, "I'm com I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I prom I promise." She's like, "Promise." I'm like, "I do." So, cause you know, yeah, she doesn't like hearing nice. that we're heading out, go, going flying at night in mountainous terrain and going to yeah. be dropped off in avalanche terrain to go, go assist people. So yeah, I just want to say thanks. Thanks to my wife and to all the partners out there that allow what, us what's to, your wife's to do first this sort of thing. Michelle. Michelle, don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that helped at all. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask her after she listens. Like, Did that help? Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'll just get a look. I'll get the look. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, honey. <laughs> oh, I love it. Awesome. Uh, you know what, John? I'll tell you what, man. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for sharing some of these stories. Uh, you know, I if you want to share another 50, man, come on. I, I'll have you back. I would, I would love awesome. to have you back. So Appreciate but, that. Thank you. Um, what we'll do is we'll set something up so when uh, when the Boston Bruins are in town, call me. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, it's on. <laughs> oh, might no. be a little gambling on that yeah. game. <laughs> Absolutely. I love, I love it. it. Yeah. Dude, we'll, we'll keep in touch, man. I look forward to hanging out with you. And now, uh, when I come up to see Rob, I'm going to give you a call. So. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. Right on. All right, brother. I'll check you later. And with that, Thank ladies you. and gentlemen, we are out of here thank you for tuning in we hope you enjoyed this episode of the real rescue podcast please take a minute to like subscribe and hit that share button i'm pulling chocks and taking off but before i go if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share i would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here send an email to Jason at therealrescue.com. That's Jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, 
Fly safe and swim hard.